all you beautiful people, and welcome to the Glorious in the Mundane podcast. I'm your host, Christy Knuckles. We are in our summer in the Psalm series, and I pray that it's been so life-giving for you. I know it has been for me. Last week, we talked about staying within the river's reach, the river being God Himself, the very life that He offers us. To be clear, we're never out of God's reach, right? Even Psalm 139 tells us that we basically can't go anywhere where He isn't. Yet to stay within the river's reach is more to plant ourselves where He is, to ground ourselves in the very nutrients of God's Word, to let His truth rise up around us on every side. This becomes intentional on our behalf, doesn't it? And with that intentionality, there grows a deeper and deeper understanding of who God is. Those waters that we were swimming in when we were talking about His grace and this river, His fortifying life in us and through us. It just gets deeper and deeper. So beautiful. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling pretty deep into summer, which means that I'm definitely feeling way out of my normal routine. Plus, we have had some enormous renovation projects going on here at Keeper's Branch. In fact, I've debated on whether or not I should post about them and let everyone in on what we're doing here. If you followed Nathan on Instagram, especially during his release of his instrumental album, you have seen that he's been laying floors, he's been painting walls and doors, and I mean, a hundred other things on top of that. (laughs) We have been pulling off like working 10 to 12 hour days around here because we decided to do a lot of things at once. Nate and I have only owned three homes in our 28 years of marriage. And our first two homes, we definitely took on some major renovations. In fact, our first home that I've told you about before, when we bought it, it was known as the haunted house of the neighborhood. It had sat vacant for over a year. It really wasn't haunted. I mean, some people think it was, but it was just one of those houses. Like the neighbors were in disbelief that we even wanted to buy it and tackle it. But I could see all the potential in that beat up colonial gym that was set into the hillside of a very beloved neighborhood in Franklin. And seeing potential pays off because the reason we are even in the house we are in now is because of the real estate miracle that happened when we went to sell that house. You might remember one of the very first interviews from this podcast seven years ago was with my friend Angie Smith, who was not only my friend, but realtor at the time when we went to sell that house. And she was a part of pulling off the sale of that house that would honestly set us up for the next two homes that we would buy. Our second home was our house in Georgia, and it sat in a cul-de-sac, which was perfect for when the kids were six, eight, and one, like they were when we bought it. The major reno in that home, you might remember, is that we gutted that kitchen. We also laid pine flooring throughout the house. We built out a studio in the basement, but the kitchen was the big ordeal. My friend Anissa Darnell, who would go on to establish her own company called True and Co. She helped me design the space and her carpenter friend Daniel helped us transform it. In fact, Anissa had a connection to get the finished project featured 
in Better Homes and Gardens, which was so fun. And later, Country Living would even come and use our home as a backdrop for one of their monthly issues. As far as Kiefer's Branch goes, we have certainly done some projects out here. We've definitely used more gallons of paint than we care to remember in lathering this place inside and out with white and creamy tones. You also might remember that we basically had to make a yard on our property. We bought 12 acres out here, but believe it or not, there was no clearing of space for a yard. Also during the pandemic, You might remember we turned our three-car garage into a recording studio. And then many of you might remember that we redid our laundry room in 2021, which included us wrapping a sad little white refrigerator in a wallpaper mural of an English countryside. And yes, it is still holding up really nice. And it is as cute as ever. But as for the main house, we hadn't really taken on an enormous project until now. At some point, I would like to do a facelift in our kitchen as all of the finishes were chosen by the previous owner in 2007. And the cabinets and hardware are definitely starting to show some major wear and tear. And we were going to do that facelift in 2020, but we all know what happened in 2020. So that got put off. (laughs) And it was going to be the kitchen next until our deck began to rot. We have a two-story deck out back. And about three years ago, we began to see some significant signs of wear and tear and rot. And at first, Nathan replaced several of the boards until we realized that there was an actual disease that had gotten into the boards. And we heard that once that happens, you essentially can't get rid of it. You have to replace the entire thing because it will just keep spreading. Well, as the cost of lumber has been so incredibly high the past several years, we were, of course, waiting it out as long as we could. The only problem is the deck became treacherous. And when I say treacherous, I mean holes and rot significant enough that you could fall through it. And we know this because Nathan did fall through twice. (laughs) Thankfully, each time it was only one leg that went through. (laughs) But yeah, there you have it, people. This was our predicament. It was time to deal with the deck and we'd have to just swallow that the lumber was going to be high. The reason that lumber being so high was such an issue is because the footprint of our deck is absolutely enormous. I mean, think like Leonardo DiCaprio holding on to Kate Winslet on the bow of the Titanic with her arms stretched out. That's the size of our deck. If you follow me on Instagram, you have probably seen me post pictures of our deck before. The most stunning thing about our original deck is that it had three huge trees growing out of the middle of the deck. It looked as dreamy as it sounds. We had hammocks back there and it was woodsy and wonderful. It was this haven for the first five or six years that we had this house. In fact, the girls used to actually rollerblade back there in the shade. That's another great reference to the size, a roller ring. (laughs) Anyway, as you can imagine, though, our home is over 16 years old and the trees had begun to outgrow the deck. So there was that. Literally, they had grown in diameter so much that they were rubbing against the deck and causing damage that way. Plus, we realized that because there were so many trees back there, the deck was never able to get sun and dry out which is the perfect recipe for a rotting deck. And a rotting deck is the perfect recipe for a massive rattlesnake to come snooping around. I'm trying to remember if I told you guys this. Surely I did. But yes, last summer, 
was the last straw for me with the slimy, rotten, wet deck. When a five foot long timber rattlesnake that was about four and a half to five inches in diameter showed up. Yes, it was actually that big. It was raining and the girls were back there with a friend, which was strange all on its own because they hadn't been back there in ages. But they were walking around and Ellie's friend Chandler actually sees the snake and she tells Ellie to stop right where she is. And she identified that it was a rattlesnake and that he or she was within a foot of Ellie. Annie was closest to being able to run and get Nathan. And when she told him it was a rattlesnake, he was like, no, it's not a rattlesnake, but I'll come out there. And sure enough, (laughs) y'all, I will say it was the biggest snake I've ever seen in my life. Like it looked like a pet snake that you would see in an aquarium. Like that's how big. It actually is against the law to kill rattlesnakes in Tennessee, which if encountered one in the wild, I mean, I would definitely understand that I'm in their territory and I need to leave them alone. But the one exception is if they are infringing upon your property and your people. And this was definitely the case. I won't give you the details, but we did need to be about the removal of said creature. Well, Nathan was about the removal of said creature immediately. Long story short, when we began looking into how to redesign the deck, we realized that the bottom deck did not have disease in it. Therefore, all of the original posts and even the joists of the deck were in good shape and we could potentially just replace just the deck boards down there. And because we are on a major slope, we began calculating the landscaping on a project like this, meaning if we tried to go with a smaller deck or maybe even no deck at all, we'd still have to fill in the gaps with massive landscaping so that you could actually walk back there since it's sloped, which after the story I just told you, like, who wants to walk back there, right? (laughs) I need to be off the ground, please. So all in all, we chose to keep the footprint of the bottom deck, the Titanic. And we made the top deck significantly smaller and we splurged on two things. We are screening in everything below the top deck so that we can have a screened in porch for which I already bought an iron day bed because it's been one of my dreams for years to have a sleeping porch out here at Kiefer's Branch, a sleeping porch that a snake can't get into. (laughs) I'm making sure of that. But our other splurge is that we set what is called a swim spa down inside of the bottom deck. I've always wanted a pool, but we've never had one. We did have a few experts come out to see if it was even possible and how much it would cost. But because of the amount of rock that our home sits on, they confirmed that it would be extremely difficult and extremely expensive. I figured that was the case, but I had actually learned from my neighbor who knew the family that built our house. And she told me that they wanted a pool back there. But when they were digging to build the basement, they hit so much rock that it delayed the entire project for months and months because they had to dig twice as deep to get through the rock, if that makes sense. Once you hit rock, you have to keep digging to get to the bottom of it and excavate it. Well, apparently they decided against the pool after that. (laughs) The huge silver lining though is that because they had to dig so deep when building our basement, our basement ceilings are probably 10 feet high, which is amazing. And it's a walkout basement with windows. So it really doesn't even feel like a basement. Anyway, A swim spa it is. If you've never heard of a swim spa, think of a giant hot tub. It's about 15 feet long and eight feet wide, and you can run it like a pool in the summer and then a hot tub in the winter. And it's 
just big enough for me and my girls to lay on rafts together and cool off. It also has this swim current in it that you can swim against for exercise. I just have to definitely find the right swimsuit before I can start really using it. So far, the current is so strong that it feels like I'll need a wetsuit to actually keep swimwear on my body (laughs) while swimming against the current. Anyway, as the deck has been transformed, Nate and I have been DIY warriors. Well, I will say I have struggled to keep up with Nathan's warriorness, but we took the opportunity to kind of take the basement to the next step. When we first moved in, we painted down there and changed the flooring in the bathroom, but we didn't really deal with the plastic looking floors that were already down there that were like a shiny brick red brown color. (laughs) These were installed in the days when vinyl floors were still kind of a new thing and the options were pretty atrocious. But when we moved in, Noah was going into high school and we figured that it was just going to be a bunch of high school boys down there for the next four years. And we were right. So now that Noah's 23, he just turned 23 last week, y'all. Our boy is so grown up. We decided that the basement needed to grow up. So like I said earlier, Nate installed all the floors himself, y'all. We did put laminate floors down there, but it's crazy how far vinyl and laminate has come. Our friend just went down there the other day and he did a double take because he really did think they were wood floors. So with that, and of course, more lathering the walls and creamy white tones, we've created a space that really does feel like a retreat. Even though I've always known that we'd probably never own a lake or beach house, I've always, of course, had that pipe dream, like many of you, you know, finding an old beat up cottage near the water for next to nothing, and then you turn it into a little slice of heaven. But that's not something we have margin for in any facet. So I told Nate the other day, getting to renovate the basement has felt like getting to decorate a little vacation getaway. The swim spa even has this little fountain that runs, so we at least have that sound of water. (laughs) The sun is finally shining down and through the house with the removal of the trees. That's right. It was heartbreaking to have to take down those trees, but it has caused so much sunshine to not only shower the deck, but shine through the whole main floor of our home, which on even sunny days had felt like a hobbit house because of the lack of light. Anyway, gosh, you guys, this feels like the good old days of this podcast when I would tell you about all the Keepers Branch adventures. So there you go. I didn't really set out to tell you all of this, but it just kind of spilled out. All that to say, I'm out of my normal flow, but this podcast series and getting to check in with you has really been grounding in the midst of all of that and even normalizing like a rhythm in my life in these summer weeks. And it's bringing me joy. It's amazing to me that I'm still learning about myself all the time and realizing things about my process, but I'm finding that it's really easy for me to jump heart and head first into a project like home renovations and it becomes all consuming, meaning my tendency is to only focus on that one thing because I suspect or I fear that jumping back and forth between deciding on wall sconces and buying jute rugs to studying the Psalms and writing podcasts feels kind of daunting, like it's hard to get back in once I'm out. But thankfully, I've found that it's actually the opposite. It actually has this grounding sense of balance when I choose to do it. And as I said before, it's just restored joy to me. 
that I feel connected to all of you again. We have been in the book of Philippians in church for the past several weeks. We were in chapter two last week in verses 16 through 18, just after Paul addresses the church at Philippi to do everything without complaining or arguing so that you, we may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which, and I love this, in which we, you, we shine like stars in the universe as we hold out the word of life. That's so beautiful. He goes on, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. And then he says, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Our pastor Joshua just beautifully described what exactly Paul was referring to when he said, I am being poured out like a drink offering. He reminded us that Paul was raised a devout Jew, and he was referring to the sacrificial system in the Old Testament where wine was poured out on an altar along with either a sacrificial lamb or with grain. And I loved how Joshua put it that essentially Paul was saying, the span of my life from beginning to end is this wine, this offering poured out as a sacrifice for the Lord. And he's saying, I'm pouring out with you with your faith and with your sacrifice, your service. And of course, the message from Paul here is that through the Holy Spirit, we're all invited to do that, that our faith is a spiritual offering to the Lord. And Paul is excited and he's rejoicing that his labor for the gospel, his life being poured out along with the church at Philippi and even all of us, it's this beautiful momentum for the gospel going forth like that river. And he's basically saying, this is a wonderful thing. So be glad along with me about it. And this is the part that I needed to process with the Lord that morning at church that I so often forget. And we're invited to rejoice in being poured out. Sometimes I can get accustomed to life just being hard, honestly, even ministry and work. And I can get used to the fact that it's not easy and that it is in fact laborsome, and that I leave my gladness somewhere at the door. As we were given time to process with the Lord after this sermon, that is where I needed to go. One of the reflection questions on the screen around the invitation to rejoice, it said in so many words, what do you need to believe in order to take up this invitation to rejoice, to be glad as we're being poured out? as an offering in this life. And I immediately saw a bit of a play on words, which I know that doesn't surprise you. (laughs) And it was this, what do I need to believe in order to rejoice? But I kept saying, what do I need to believe in order? We talk so much about how God is a God of order and what we're believing, even what we're believing in order matters. And it was an aha moment that rejoicing returns as we get a shift in our perspective. And that becomes possible when we order our thinking. I know for me, I needed to remember, first and foremost, what Christ has actually done for me and what a privilege it is to live my life poured out for the gospel for His sake. I looked into what to rejoice means, and Strong's tells us that it means to be glad for grace. In the original language, the phrase contains the word grace. And so to rejoice, it literally means to experience God's grace and favor, to be conscious of it, 
glad for His grace. I know for me that ordering my thoughts around what Jesus has already done for me, it keeps me tender and aware of His grace over me. And that helps me even differentiate between my wants and my needs. It helps me remember why I'm here. It helps me orient my days around what matters most for a heart that desires to be poured out. It's incredible to look at Paul's life, isn't it? And remember that he didn't get to walk with Jesus day after day like the disciples did. He didn't spend boat ride after boat ride with the Lord, learning from him and being brought up by him. I mean, he did have a life-saving radical encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus where he was literally blinded by the light. Jesus did reveal himself to Paul in miraculous ways and it radically changed his life. And he was raised up as this vessel that the Holy Spirit would use significantly to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ through all the earth, like that deep, uncrossable river. But when I think of the life of Paul, it's almost like this word rejoice bubbles up in my mind every time. I think about him sitting shackled next to Silas on a prison floor after they both had been severely flogged, beaten. And Acts 16.25 tells us that around midnight, the two began praying and singing hymns to God. I can't help but think of Nehemiah 8.10 here, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You probably know the story that as Paul and Silas began to sing, there came a violent earthquake that shook the foundation of the prison. The prison doors flew open wide and the shackles fell off the prisoners' feet. Verse 27 says that the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and he was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas and then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. There's that word joy again. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. This word joy is actually a great lead into our psalm for today, Psalm 66. Let me read it over us now. How awesome are your deeds to the choir master, a song, a psalm, Psalm 66. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Selah. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in him who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Selah. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard, who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net, 
You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you, that which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. I will offer to you burnt offerings of fattened animals with the smoke of the sacrifice of rams. I will make an offering of bulls and goats. Selah. Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. As I was reading this psalm, I kept thinking about our very first psalm of this series, Psalm 73, where it's as if we eavesdropped on the psalmist processing an inner battle that he was having and looking around and watching the wicked prosper. And he says he almost lost his footing over it. And he even says, had I said out loud the things that were going through my mind, I could have caused many in this generation to lose their footing too. We see his holy resolve in that being in the sanctuary near God and the people of God, this is where he needed to stay planted. And he said, it is good for me to be near God. It's as if we learn from what the psalmist chose not to say. Whereas today in Psalm 66, I think if there's any as for me declaration that rises to the surface in me, it's in verse 16. As for me, I will tell what he has done for my soul. We have three Selahs in this psalm. I love what A.D. Camp wrote about this in her Bible study called As For Me. She said, My favorite interpretation of the word that is Selah comes from the Hebrew word kalah, which means to hang or to measure. In other words, to contemplate the value of what's being said. Selah is quite the opposite of the breakneck speed at which we're always running. She points out as she goes on that it gives us a moment to breathe in the psalm, to pause, ponder, pray, do what it takes to nourish your heart with truth from psalms. Let these words of God work their way into the depths of your soul and let them be weighty to you. Because there are three of these moments for us in this psalm, it's easy to see that there's three sections of this passage. The first one, the theme seems to be rejoicing, being glad for grace. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. I know that shouting to God might not be an ordinary part of your week, <laughs> but I also wonder if you were in a place where you felt completely uninhibited, like unselfconscious, would you enjoy shouting to God? There have been moments in my life where I've had what feels like such a privilege to get to shout for joy to God. Sometimes it's been from leading on a stage and other times it's been that I've been led in the audience to also lift my voice in a shout of praise. And not only he's worthy of this, but actually I think it releases something in our physical body. It like lets out tension and apprehension. And for a moment, it's like we're being the worshiper that we were meant to be. I love it. The psalm goes on, sing the glory of his name, give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. I love this directive from the psalmist that we get to speak directly to God. He's like 
Tell him. Tell him what he's done. I mean, he knows what he's done, but it's for our benefit, isn't it? This goes back to the, what do I need to believe in order to rejoice? It orients our thoughts and eventually our praise around what he has already done for us. Yes, we might have pressing needs and things we're waiting on, answers and outcomes that we're kind of puzzled about. But this reminds us that even still, there's a leaning in anyway to say, look what you have already done. Verse four, all the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. I love that he chose the word earth. I think when we get to heaven someday, we're going to be able to see the larger picture of what has been going on all this time. Worship that you and I can't even detect in creation itself. The sounds of billions of flowers opening up each morning in the spring. Yes, that's right. There's studies that show that trees and plants and flowers literally emit sounds not detectable to the human ear. I literally just listened to a tomato plant on a video on YouTube. (laughs) This was a part of a study where the audio has been accelerated so that we can hear the sound of this little plant. And it's incredible. It sounds like a drum beat, like a tiny little drumbeat happening. My point is, imagine the symphony that is the earth worshiping its creator today. Oceans, forests, mountains, valleys full of creatures teeming with life. Unbeknownst to us, the whole earth worships the Lord today. Not just humans, all the earth leaning in a posture toward its creator. And he is praised. Oh, that we will join in that song today. And this is our first Selah. God, thank you for reorienting our thoughts around what you have already done for us. In order to tell of your mighty works, we have to first remember your mighty works. Remember grace and be glad for it again. Help us even now to slow our pace, to breathe, to remember that there's a song going out today in all the earth. And Lord, I want my life and my voice to be a part of that song. As we look at this next section of this passage, the psalmist invites us to come and see what God has done. We're learning from the words he is choosing to offer up in praise and thanks. He's like, come, let us remember together what he has done. I don't know about you, but this is the kind of people I want and need to be around. This reminds me of some of my dearest friends. These are the words that are so often coming out of their mouths, and I'm so grateful. In fact, I just signed a birthday card to a friend with a quote from C.S. Lewis on it, and it says, what draws people to be friends is that they see the same truth. They share it. That friend is Michelle Mitchell, by the way, who just celebrated a milestone birthday. And we even celebrated here at my house with some friends of hers. And Shay, thank you for being a woman of wisdom and for speaking truth into my life. You are one of those friends who I share truth with. You with me, I with you. And it's a beautiful reminder to me. You are a beautiful reminder of the body of Christ and the fellowship a friendship. I love you and I'm so grateful for you. Happy birthday. This new season is going to be beautiful. Yes, there are the kind of friends in our lives that we just cherish, right? Friends who say to one another, verse five, come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. 
And just like we do with friends, sometimes we sit and recall how He delivered us in our time of trouble. Like verse 6, He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in Him who rules by His might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. And here we pause again for our next Selah. Lord, I thank you for even how you are connecting those of us listening today. Friends from far and wide, remembering together what a deliverer you are. You have led us out of captivity. You keep watch over all the nations today. You've got this. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. You are the Lord. You rule by your might forever. And we rejoice in you today. You are the same God that you were then when you turned the sea into dry land. Thank you, Lord. Let our praise and wonder become intentional and grow deeper as we open our mouths and call and invite others to do the same as the psalmist does here in verse 8. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of His praise be heard, who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. And these next verses remind us of why our praise isn't shallow. It's something that has been birthed in us through hardship and trial. For you, O God, you have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, yet you have brought us out into a place of abundance. Yes, he might allow crushing burdens to be laid on our backs, but it is not to crush us. As you and I both know, this is building in us resilience and trust. This is true love and grace and mercy, that He does not leave us impure and shallow and weak. No, He loves us enough to try us like silver is tried. He is purifying us, strengthening us, beautifying us. Often in these times of pressing, We do make vows to God, don't we? Just like verse 13, I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you, that which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. We've all been through crushing and pressing, refining. It's beautiful to think that as He brings us out into a place of abundance, that our lives become that poured out drink offering that we talked about earlier. We become the very vows we made in the trial, in the storm. Our poured out lives become praise for what He's brought us through. Yes, Lord, let our lives be an offering today that we'd make good on the vows we've made to you by actually surrendering ourselves to be poured out for you for the sake of Christ, poured out for others for the sake of Christ, that we might be those who say, come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell what He has done for my soul. Yes, as for me, I will tell what He has done for me. I cried to Him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly, God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, because He has not rejected my prayer or removed His steadfast love from me. I'm sure you noticed the one thing that stuck out in those verses. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, 
the Lord would not have listened. This is a blatant reminder, isn't it, that God is looking for clean hands and a pure heart today. He will come near and listen when there is purity of heart. This is yet another psalm, Psalm 24, 3-6, to close us out today. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in this holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Selah. Yes, that deserves a Selah. Lord, there's a lot of things that we could be about today. With this pace we're used to, we often stay divided in our attention, in our thoughts, in our allegiance, in our affections. But thank you for this reminder that what you're looking for in us is clean hands and a pure heart. So even now, Holy Spirit, come. Would you show us where you are working in our hearts? Maybe just ask him that now. God, show me where you are working in me. And that includes any place in our hearts where we're cherishing or holding on to something that we need to actually let go of. Is there any sin clouding our ability to be that poured out offering today? Is there anything that's prohibiting us from willingly telling others what you have done for us, Lord? You might want to sit with him more in this and just remember, tell him what he has done for your soul and then tell someone else what he has done for you. I'll talk to you soon.